this is Mike Dilt with the Relax Back UK show on UK Health Radio, your global real feel-good radio station. On the Relax Back UK show we explore all kinds of health topics, so keep listening and enjoy the ride. Hi and welcome to this week's Relax Back UK show. My first guest, I have to admit to be rather jealous of. I get paid to run around like a big kid with playing with guns <laughs> and jumping off things. I get hit by cars, jump off buildings. Nicholas Dane is a stuntman and all-round cool guy. He talks about the good and the bad and the downright unhealthy part of being a stuntman. Then who doesn't love a great home-cooked meal with family or friends? Basically, we're, we're trying to create that perfect mealtime opportunity for, for, for anyone, really. So whether you're a family, whether you're someone with, you know, not too much time to cook, we're just trying to give you recipes that you can um, cook at home nice and quickly, nice and stress-free, and then sit down and enjoy with whoever you decide to share it with. Head chef Andre Dupin of HelloFresh explains how they help to make that happen. So please stay with us for a great show. Thank you. I love chatting to stuntman Nicholas Danes and my first question to him was, is it fun? Yeah, it's a great career. Being a stuntman is um, it's joining a very elite group of professionals and um, it's a very select group. It's very small. It's very tight knit, but it is great fun. You know, I get to pay. I get paid to run around like a big kid with playing with <laughs> guns and jumping off things. I get hit by cars, jump off buildings, have to avoid flurries of gunfire. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's a really fantastic way to make a living. Um, obviously, it is dangerous. I have to say that. I mean, even yeah, the yeah, yeah. things. Well, I, I, like- I'm going to ask you all about being a, a stuntman and the danger and all the rest shortly. But it didn't start there, did it? You started off your career as, a, as an elite athlete. That's right. I was an international gymnast um, for Team GB. I was, a, I was in artistic gymnastics, which is all six pieces of apparatus. And then I moved into double mini trampoline and went international with that. Um, and yeah, so, but gymnastics is a fantastic background because it gives you such focused discipline and real um, spatial awareness that you can't teach uh, really. And you develop that over the years. And so it's perfect for the stunt profession. And it really is a sort of, it was a natural progression. So I really, I really literally fell into it. <laughs> well, I hope you didn't fall too hard. Been, I mean, been a gymnast, you must have been used to falling a bit. Uh, in training i'm sure there were some some falls oh lots um yeah and it's, it, that's what i'm saying it's a great grounding for the stunt uh, arena and uh it, I, that from there i was also a high board diver as well i got in competitive um high board diver so that that is also did, did, you, did you do the diving for, for team gb no i got it well i've done it for team gb in the masters uh so i got into that a bit later after i retired from gymnastics and then that's been uh, actually my passion in, in later years and i'm still doing that now and i i do the world championships uh, for the masters and i love that it's great and it's perfect again to keep up my training for the stunt world and right. it's really good at, at you know honing in on your your spatial awareness and I use it all the time, actually. I just came back from Croatia doing a commercial um, for a, um, a casino chain. And it, you know, I'm still doing it. So it keeps me in perfect shape for that. 
hones in on so my you're still diving competitively yes yes i'm still wow. doing it yeah <laughs> at the right okay. old age of 50 i'm still going and yes. i love it i love the competitiveness i i'm I enjoy that very much. And it, it comes hand in hand with the training. You know, it's it makes training fun. And I think that is what's important, especially as you get older uh, and or in anybody's training regime. It's to make it fun, to make it enjoyable so that you, of course, you yeah. it doesn't feel like training. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of what everything you do should be fun, if at all possible. But so a lot of elite athletes, you know, whatever sport they've been involved in, when they retire, they go on to do something somewhat related, you know, they become a trainer or a coach or a commentator, that kind of thing. But I, I suppose being a stuntman is related and it's very physical. But what, what made you want to become a stuntman? Other than the fact it's really cool, obviously. Well, it, it all started, actually, I was working as, I always wanted to get into film and TV. I, I, in, the, in the beginning, my path wasn't clear. I wasn't sure exactly where I wanted to be, but I was doing a day's extra work on the bill many years ago. And there was a, a stunt being performed where this stunt man had to jump backwards onto a car as it reversed from a platform. And uh, he wasn't actually really getting hit by the car. He was just jumping backwards and making it look like that. Right. And that's when I saw that. And I thought, gosh, you know, I could do that. And with the double twist. So I thought that's, you know, that's when the penny dropped and I should get in, you know, I get into stunts. I was trained in microbiology. That's what I actually did at university. And that's where I started to go down the research and development route. But it was clear from, I didn't want to look down the end of a microscope for the rest of my life. So um, I was too physical. And when I finished the competitive arena with gymnastics, I still wasn't finished being physical. And when I saw that, it was like, yes that's where I should be and that's uh that's where I ended when ended up and uh I'm still physical and I think that's great and I think it helps to keep me young especially like you, you were saying earlier we were chatting and you're saying is it a young man's game but yes it is I mean there's always someone younger more talented uh, more beautiful coming through the door but <laughs> because because I've kept going and I think that's the key to never stop um, I have maintained a level of fitness and, uh, you know, anyone that looks at me, obviously we're on the radio, you can't see, but they're like, I cannot believe you're 50. It's just because I've not stopped. And I think right. it's, you know, that that whole thing of telling your body that it's got to keep doing what it does. And it it, it, it maintains a, a usefulness. It's the classic and, use it or lose it, I guess, isn't it? Absolutely. And uh, I was just... I went out last night with some stunt colleagues and, and uh, you know, we're, I'm still jumping around with the best of them. And, you know, they they range from sort of 25 to, uh, you know, my age. So it is a young man's game. But if you maintain your your health and your fitness, then you can keep going well. Right. Into your, your so tell me, how does it work? Do you have a specialism? I mean, is, is, is do you, like, I don't know, walking through fire or driving cars or this presumably all stuntmen have a specialism of some sort do they there are there are stunt guys that specialize in certain areas like they said specialize in horses or like you say the cars or motorbikes my speciality has always been acrobatics with my gymnastic background yeah. so anything at height uh, with the diving as well um, and anything that involves orientating yourself in time and space so so special awareness anything like that so it will be acrobatic maneuvers can be fighting falling off things jumping off things that's really my specialty so anything at height i've been nominated for a world stunt award for best work at height so that's really my my, my work at height. tell us the highest thing you've done then 
Well, um, I just did a 17 meter cliff dive for that commercial I was saying in Croatia. And also I've done an 80 foot um, high fall from the top of a building with one and three quarters somersaults onto an airbag. That was a really cool job. That was for, uh, and that was doubling a woman. So you get to double all sorts of people. It's not just, you know, men. I, I've doubled women quite a few times. Ruth Wilson on The Little Stranger as well. And uh, that was, that was so for the one with the 80 foot high fall, that was for Claire Goose on Waking the Dead. That was her exit as she, as she died and ended up on a car bonnet 80 foot below. <laughs> well, I was going to ask about who you might double for, because do you, especially, I guess you've answered it already, do you have to double for people that you look like? I mean, is there an audition where, okay, he looks like this particular actor, he'll do, or is it a bit more, bit more sophisticated than that? Well, in this country, we have what's called the, the British Stunt Register, which is the official body for stunt people in this country. And once you've gone through the training regime, which is a rigorous training regime, you have to do six disciplines to a certain level, which are then ticked off by experts in those areas. And then you, you join the stunt register. And in this register, it's like a directory. And so they'll have a picture of all of, of you and your vital statistics. So when you need to be able to, the productions want you to double someone, they'll go through this book or the stunt coordinator will go through the book and see who is closest, either in looks wise or, or just height, weight, shape, et cetera. And they'll, they'll select you from that and get you directly from the stunt register. So, but it can be, like I say, a varied group of uh individuals that you do double i mean i've doubled killian murphy probably the most which is which is great he's a little bit taller but sometimes you have to use the tricks of the trade and put step-ins in your shoes <laughs> i've done that quite All a right. few times I'll, I'll bet quite often you're wearing a hat just before you do the stunt absolutely i um the the commercial i did in croatia was a, a sort of an indiana jones style theme and i had a hat on for that and, and doing a 17 meter cliff dive and keeping the hat on was it was a, a feat in itself <laughs> is, is that why in all the films, Indiana Jones films, he's wearing a hat? Um, well, it helps. It helps. Yeah. <laughs> it helps if you, especially if the devil's doing it. Um, I think that's just his trademark. But um, yeah, you'll have to wear all sorts of things. On The Little Stranger de- uh, doubling Ruth Wilson, I had, they give me a special undersuit, which has got boobs in and it's got... Um, padded a bottom to make me more shapely and curvy in the, the hip and buttock department. It's strange. It's bizarre, actually. I mean, the, some of the costumes are really, really difficult. And I think one of the, the sort of key factors of being a stunt performer is being comfortable in uncomfortable situations, right. uh, like, like costumes and strange costumes. You know, you've got wigs and um, to deal with. And it's always, it's, it, you might train these things and you might rehearse them, but on the day, everything changes. So you have to be really adaptable and, and act quickly. Because like I say, you'll train something and you'll do it in rehearsals and it'll be fine in your tracksuit or in these sort of more sterile conditions. And then suddenly on the day, you've got wind coming at you, you've got rain, you've got a wig on that's getting in your face, you've got a nighty on, you've got boobs that you never had five minutes ago, you know, and there's so much to deal with that you have to, you really do have to adapt with it. Well, in some ways, that's like competing at an elite level. I guess it's never going to be the same. Each time you compete, there'll be sort of nuances. That's right. And that's why the gymnastics is such a great yeah. background for me. Anyway, that that competitive, that competitiveness that you that you have. And it, it is about all about adapting on the day and, and, and getting that performance focus, discipline, and just getting out there and doing it and get the job done. 
Let me ask you a question, which is a bit different because we're kind of similar ages. I'm a bit older, actually. I'm, I'm 55. And uh, on the TV when I was, I don't know, I must have been 10 or 11, something like that. Did you, so when you were a kid, did you ever see the milk tray adverts? Of course. Yes, I did. The dive off the cliff. Yes. Because when, when I heard, right, you're a stunt man and, and you're kind of similar age to me, I thought maybe that's what he saw as a kid and thought that's what I'm going to be when I grow up. Um, I did see that. Yes. And uh, that was actually Alf Joint, uh, a famous stunt man in this country that, that did that. And I did, I, I used to see all those images and I really, I just aspired to anything that was um, glossy and, and, and uh, the Hollywood sort of thing, really. That's what I, that aspired me as a kid. And there was a, there was a girl, commercials in particular. So adverts like that were incredibly inspirational. There was a girl at school who did a Bachelor's Soup commercial. And I just remember being in awe of the fact that she could be in my class, but I'd seen her on TV and she was in everybody's home. And that was one of the driving forces that sort of took me down into the, the film and television route because I, no, those, I those commercials particularly were, were very inspirational. Well, those, those adverts, the milk tray advert, is kind of in the psyche of anyone our age, isn't it, who grew up in the UK? Yes, <laughs> it's, it's absolutely. Kind of, it'll never leave. It's stuck in our brains. Yep, I, I think it's, and it's, I'm doing it now. So every day I get to, I get to be the milk tray man and that's really cool. <laughs> Brilliant. So I've, I've got to ask you, because, I mean, this is dangerous stuff, isn't it? I mean, or it can be dangerous. Presumably you, you, you limit the dangers as much as absolutely possible. But, you know, have you ever got hurt? And do you sometimes feel a little concerned? You, you try and mitigate as many of the, the risks as possible and make it as safe as possible. But even the simplest stunts can go wrong and um, they can have, you know, devastating consequences if, when they do. Um, I do get nervous and I think that nervousness um, is, is um, important because there's nothing natural about chucking yourself off a building. And with those, the nerves and the adrenaline, you're just able to focus and channel that energy into a way into a mind over matter situation where you're able to just get over that and push yourself off the edge and i think that's what separates people from you know either being a stuntman or not you're just able to take it that step further focus discipline and really just push yourself over the edge and yes i have hurt myself i've broken my teeth my nose my shoulder i've snapped my leg in half i've snapped oh, my God. Achilles. Yeah, you know, it's it is a it's it's a painful route, I suppose. But um, <laughs> and then you I still you love can, it. But you come back and, for uh, more. It's after what I do. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's what I do. Um, I'm, and uh, I'm still not done yet. No, well, let's get on to that. So we were you were talking about. In fact, you seem pretty proud the fact that you're 50 and you're still doing this, going strong, doing this very physical job. Um, you're not just doing it, you know, you're, you're doing it rather well, actually. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm very, I am, yeah, I'm proud. It's, it's one of those, um, you know, people fall by the wayside. I know a lot of people who are now in wheelchairs, they've, um, uh, you know, had terrible accidents along the way. And, and it's like, um, it's, a, it's a success story to be still be going at 50. And I, I celebrate that. And the fact that I am still doing everything to the level that, that is, like the same as a 25 year old and i'm i'm very proud of that i'm still in the gym with them tumbling like i used to even doing all the moves that i used to do as 
as a competitive gymnast. So I do give myself a bit of a pat on the back, but I think it's, you know, the key is that I haven't really stopped. I've just kept, kept going. I think it's when you stop, that's when the rot, the rot really sets in. Sure. Tell us a bit about the training regime then. I mean, is, is there a gym where all the stuntmen go to together, you know, and, and work on being supple and tumbling and all this kind of stuff? How, do, how does the training actually work? Have you got a trainer? Um, I don't have a trainer at the moment. I, I have a coach, a gymnastics coach. I still have a coach for the gymnastics um, because I really, I like that little bit of a push and that a bit of a private session. But yes, there are, a, there are gyms that stuntmen go to and congregate and we have sort of open sessions. A lot of people go to the gym to practice their fight skills or um, hone in on their gymnastics and spatial awareness, again, that you can, you can practice. And that's what I do. I will tumble. I can still get on the high bar, do the vault. And uh, I really just, again, keeping myself as agile as possible and just keeping the, the skills that I have alive. I mean, it, it does sound uh, fantastic. It sounds, it sounds very glamorous, but there must be, because uh, all jobs have an element of kind of um, not quite boredom, but just normal sort of stuff. So, you know, going to the gym at early on a Monday morning when it's raining, it's, it's going to be like, you know, going to work on a Monday morning for everyone else at, at times, is it? Or is it all glamorous? Um, no, it's not glamorous at all. I mean, the movie industry in general isn't glamorous. You would, everyone thinks of it like that, but it's a dirty, dark, dusty studio most of the time. You don't see the daylight from, you know, five in the morning till eight at night. Um, there's there are a few jobs that are glamorous along the way but for the most part it really isn't and and like you say just going to the gym is part of my job so it can become a bit uh, boring and, and I just try to if I haven't trained for a while I just try to shake it up a bit by if I haven't been training for a while I will just go and do cardio just to sort of motivate myself and then eventually I'll do cardio a few times and then I'll add some weights in to, to make it a bit more exciting. And then you, you get into a rhythm and a regime and you end up back to where you were full on training, which is, which is good. I just try to make it as, I don't want to put too much pressure on myself to, to train. Otherwise it will become a chore. And sure. I think the main thing is to keep it fresh and just enjoy what you're doing. So yeah, it, it it's, can be a bit mundane, but I try and make it as appealing to myself and not like a chore as possible. Um, um, will you train for a specific stunt? So if you know, if, if you know in a couple of weeks time, you've got a huge dive to do, will you then really concentrate on, on the diving and all that sort of thing? Train for a specific yeah, stunt? Yes. Absolutely. Um, I don't go into anything blind. So just for example, that cliff dive in Croatia, I took myself off to Cornwall uh, to some quarries there and started working my way up to 17 meters. So I started at nine meters and then I would go up to 12. And I, I researched this particular area where they have these quarry cliffs. And so I, I wasn't just going into the commercial blind. I really did train for it. I prepped the, the, the distances. I would go up to the top of the cliff, measure it, you know, make sure that, um, you know, the water was clear below and, and put together a clear training path so that when it came to the actual job, you know, I was really ready for it. And I knew exactly what I was doing 
and how it was going to feel. Because a lot of the time, especially when you're doing anything at height, it's the unknown of how is it going to feel in time and space. So it was important for me to mentally prepare for it as well as physically from that height. So I'd take myself to these different heights and eventually, you know, I, I had prepped it all before I actually set foot on the commercial set in Croatia. So do you have, a, for all the training and certainly for the thing itself, do you have like a backup team? When you went to Cornwall, did you have, you know, people in, I don't know, scuba equipment ready to in case you needed to be just fucked out of the water? You know, is there a team behind you the whole time? Oh, there is. Yes. You know, you, if you're doing something from that height, you know, if it went wrong, it could be disastrous. Um, you can really, really hurt yourself badly, even kill yourself from that height. So, yes, we've got safety divers in the water ready if anything goes wrong uh, to, to pull you out and get you out there. There's, there's a whole team behind you. You've got your stunt coordinator who's trying to mitigate as many of the risks as possible um, in the surrounding areas and, you, you, you've been through it, you've thoroughly recce the site, so you know everything, the tides, um, how deep you're diving into, and uh, it's, 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 it's very well thought out, of, uh, thought out and, and you, you do have a, a team behind you that is trying to mitigate as many of the risks as possible. And it's definitely teamwork. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's a really close-knit, tight community, so it's, it's very teamwork-based. That part sounds very nice. So, I mean, generally speaking, I think I know what the answer to this question might be, the way you've been talking about it. You know, is it fun? And would you suggest it to others who are thinking, you know what, I might try and become a stuntman. Would you say, yes, give it a go? Or, you know, it's it, it's kind of a strange life. Don't do it. What, what, what would you tell people? Well, that's a really interesting question because I... If, if someone had told me when I was a cross-legged student in school on the assembly room floor that I could be a stuntman when I grew up, I would have I would have jumped at it, literally jumped at it because, you know, I was <laughs> I was physical. I didn't know it really existed. You know, it was just it was it was something that other people did. And it was it was something out of my reach. But I had the opportunity to go around schools on a school tour and actually speak to kids and take them through a little training uh, day at the school and get them interested. And it is a valid career choice, you know, being physical and uh, involved in sport. It doesn't have to end with, with the competitive arena. It, there is life after that. And you can use your physical ability and sporting skills for a valid career. And stunt uh, the stunt profession is one of those and so yes i would advocate it and say you know if if that's something you aspire to and you're physical and you'd love to do that for a living then yeah today it is a very very valid career choice and the the, the filming industry in this country is incredibly buoyant so it's very busy right now it's not like in days gone by when it was quite quiet and it was just a select group of individuals that would go from film to film you know there's room for everybody and we, you know we we need more people really um especially with you know different remits of productions and and ethnic diversity there's a lot more people getting into it which we need yeah all right well that that's that's very good to hear i'm sure people will be very interested in hearing that let me just ask you sort of finally you keep in very fit in good physical condition at 50 now do you kind of ever help others do that I mean, being fit at 50 is, you know, it's a, it can be a, a big deal. I, I'm 55, you know, 
I'm <laughs> I'm not 20 anymore. If I go for a run, I kind of feel. Do you do you do anything to try and bring other 50 year olds along with you? Well, I, I, I like to think that I, I may inspire a few individuals, especially You've inspired with... me today. I'm, <laughs> tell you, I'm not about to jump off a massive cliff, but I might go for a jog. I think it's about doing something and just um, whether it's going for a walk and, and a, a brisk walk or just getting out there and doing something, being active. It doesn't have to be jumping off a cliff or jumping out of a window. I mean, that is a little bit extreme, but just <laughs> just, you know, taking those first steps to to keep a, bit, a little bit fitter, watch what you eat, um, a healthier lifestyle and I think it really does show in generally keeping fit as you get older and and as you get older I think there's that sort of suddenly oh my gosh you know I really do have to start looking after myself because you know you get one chance one vehicle which is you know your yeah. body to go through this life that you you know you you need to start looking after and it, and and I'd say to anybody I mean you can do it it could be just I mean if you are able-bodied to to at least just go out there and walk or just try to to start make it fun something you enjoy doing whether it is walking rambling cycling doesn't have to be to a massive level it's just actually being active and and keeping going i think that's a a big a big big thing to to just rolling right nicholas let me just bring it back to the the stunt work if, if people are, have been listening to this and thinking, do you know what, I'd, I'd like to explore that possibly as a career or the next part of my life. Is there sort of a, a website for, for professional stuntmen to, that people could have a look at and find out a bit more? Yes, there is. Um, it's the British Stunt Register. Yeah, you can get in touch with them. We have a, a website and they will set out the criteria that you need to to become a member of that register and it's a it's a vigorous training regime but it's well worth it and you know to it's it's the it's the way forward if that's what you want to do that's what you should do you should join the british stunt register because they are the official body in this country excellent right. nicholas thank you so much for chatting absolutely fascinating i, I love loved uh, listening to you Absolute pleasure. I mean, I, I can talk for Great Britain about it. You know, I'm really passionate. I'm very passionate about what I do. And uh, it's great. You get to do so many different things and all of the big movies, you know, and the, the kind of cool thing is that you've probably seen me a hundred times, but you don't know me. That's that's kind of cool. <laughs> yes. Interesting. Interesting. Right. Well, perhaps we'll have to make it a series. <laughs> yeah, we, we, I could talk again, you know, about the movies I've done and things. So anytime. OK. All right. But this time, many thanks. Pleasure. Before we move on, we have these messages from UK Health Radio. UK Health Radio. The station that makes you feel good. How good are vitamin C supplements? Usually only a small proportion of vitamin C actually reaches your cells and has a positive effect. Whereas the high absorption levels of Goldman Laboratories liposomal vitamin C help maintain optimal vitamin C levels in your body and strengthen your immune system. Now get 10% off when you choose Goldman Laboratories liposomal vitamin C capsules. Just quote 10 off at goldmanlaboratories.com. Do you suffer from pain? 
B-Cure Laser, a home-use CE-approved medical device for the effective treatment of pain, is now available in the UK. The results of a double-blind trial has shown that B-Cure Laser offers a significant reduction in pain compared to the placebo group. To get your special B-Cure offer now, call free on 0808 501 5122 or Google Radio Pro London. B-Cure Laser. B-Cure Laser. UK Health Radio. The station that makes you feel good. Who doesn't like a nice family get-together over a meal? You know, it's time to sit and chat, gossip, laugh, moan, complain about work or school, and yes, sometimes even argue. All families argue a little bit, I think, don't they? We'll shortly hear my chat with Andre Dupin. He's head chef of HelloFresh. But first, just let me really thank the listeners to the Relax Back UK show and to UK Health Radio as a whole. Please do remember, if you have a message you would like to share with the over 1.2 million listeners each month, it's easy to do that. If you want more info on how to spread the word, whichever word that might be that you you know, you know want to spread, uh, do email me for a bit more information. That's probably the best thing to do in the first instance. My email is mike at relaxbackuk.com. Now, on to my chat with Andre Dupin of HelloFresh. Good, right. So my guest today is uh, Andre Dupin. Actually, Andre, did I, did, I got asked, did I pronounce your name correctly? Absolutely spot on, yes. Oh, good, good. Right, and so you're, you're head chef at HelloFresh. Um, and I've got to say, from what I know of HelloFresh, it sounds like head chef sounds the best job in the world because what you do is you pack up all the stuff, send it off to your customers, and you don't actually do any cooking. So Absolutely. head chef sounds a bit of a jolly to me. It is a bit of a jolly. It's quite a lot of hard work as well. You know, a lot of thought and a lot of uh, <laughs> consideration goes into the recipes that we send out. So yeah. Obviously, I've been a bit facetious. Yeah, so tell yeah, us, no. as head what? chef uh, for a company that gets their customers to do all the cooking, what, what do you do? Basically, we're, we're trying to create that perfect mealtime opportunity for, for, for anyone, really. So whether you're a family, whether you're someone with, you know, not too much time to cook. We're just trying to give you recipes that you can um, cook at home nice and quickly, nice and stress-free, and then sit down and enjoy it with whoever you decide to share it with. Good. Well, I've got to say, I do quite enjoy cobbling stuff together in my kitchen, but it can be a bit tiring when, you know, I haven't got all the stuff, all the ingredients, and you're just missing the whatever it might be. Um, so having a box arrive with everything in it, you know, it sounds like a pretty good deal to me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and everything's everything's weighed out. You use everything that's in in the box, um, and it's just a it's just a process of you know following a you know a quite straightforward recipe card, following the instructions. You know, making sure you're tasting it so that it's it's to your taste, and then bingo, before you know it, you've got a you've got a great meal in front of you. I do sometimes fill my family with fear and dread because I will announce right dinner tonight is whatever with variations because if i'm missing the whatever uh, yeah. it might be i i have to you know make it up and uh, my my son particularly who's 11 this look of fear comes over his face <laughs> and he thinks oh my goodness what on earth has dad done now so it, yeah it would sort of stop that a, a little it would, bit it would, it, would def, it would definitely fix that problem 
And then the other thing you can get with 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 HelloFresh is you get your 11-year-old son to choose the meal with you, and then you get your 11-year-old son to cook the meal with you. So before you know it, he's taking responsibility for the meal, and you're no longer the uh, the man under the spotlight. Is, is this what a head chef does, kind of points and Absolutely. directs other people? Absolutely. That's what it's all about. It's just about, just about effective delegation. That's what I call it. <laughs> I like the sound of that. This, this piece is, is about really uh, family mealtimes, because a, a lot of people do find that important. But in general, generally speaking, do you think we still value family mealtimes? I think, I think people do. I think, you know, coming out of the back of, uh, of lockdown, and to some people, it, it was like a great release to be able to, to finally be out of the house. But at the same time, I think everyone appreciated the time they were spending together and just having time to stop and, you know, connect as a unit, you know, and make those kind of emotional connections that you can make when you're sitting down, just enjoying yourself, having a nice time, relaxing, rather than continually staring at your phone or being distracted by, by something else. You know, it has, you know, multiple benefits. Um, do you think the, the draw, actually it might be different for parents or children, do you think the draw is the food or the gossip? I think it's probably a bit of both. I think the food probably first, and then the food opens up and the occasion opens up the, opens up the opportunity to, you know, to, to kind of understand what, what's going on in each other's lives. You know, I don't know about your kids, but when they come in from school, you can get very little out of them. Give them a couple of hours, sit them down, have some food with them. As I said, it's a completely different environment. And all of a sudden you're talking about stuff that, that they wouldn't necessarily bring up you know, and that's 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 a massive benefit for them as well. No, I, I agree. Often when my children come home from school, how was school? Fine. Exactly. And you, you, like, it's like getting blood out of a stone to get any more information out very often. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, my experience is during dinner, stuff can come out. And actually, one thing I've discovered, which I like, I, I've got two children. I've got a 16-year-old daughter as well. She will start spinning a yarn, telling a story. And, uh, I, you know... It, I've discovered she's actually pretty funny. She can tell a really good, funny story. I think she might even be a stand-up comic. Uh, she <laughs> makes me know, laugh anyway. You know, and it's, you know it, part of that is probably just that, that, that period of time where you're all together and you're all just switched off from everything else that goes on in the day or is going on in the background. This is, it's a time to stop. I, I agree. And so with that, are you a little bit tyrannical when it comes to telephones and devices at the dinner table? Uh, yeah, I, I, I am. That's a no-go zone. You know, <laughs> else is you know, it's a continual debate and a constant challenge. But I think dinner table, there's a there's a pretty hard rule about. Come on, guys, we don't need our phones at dinner. Yes, and I, I really try and and do that. Although sometimes I get caught out myself. If I don't always practice what I preach, yeah. uh, the children are the first to uh, let me know it, and that. Uh, yeah. Fair play to them, really. And absolutely. Sometimes you start a conversation that you don't always have the answer to, and then you start you're scrabbling for your phone to get to the get yes. to the facts. So, so yeah, it's too easy these days to uh, to rely on your phones to answer all your questions. What about um, eating in front of the TV? Because I know uh, some families do this. Um, we do it very rarely. So, like on a really special occasion. Um, do you, what, what do you say to people about that? I think, you know, 
you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be dogmatic about it. I think there are occasions where you can do that kind of thing. You know, I'm not sure it's the healthiest thing to do every night, but you know, create occasions, movie night, we'll have a pizza. You know, we'll make a pizza, we'll sit down, we'll watch films together. You know, you just create different environments, and then you know, it doesn't always have to be around what's on TV. It can be, you know, let's have this, you know, whatever night you want to call it, whether it's you know. Taco night or, you know, sausage and mash night, whatever it is, you create the occasion around the meal. And then, you know, as I said before, if you get get your kids engaged in the cooking, then, you know, they've suddenly taken ownership of it and they'll have that, that sense of achievement at the end of it, a bit of pride. They'll be looking for a bit of a few compliments and all these kind of things just, just kind of will boost their mood. It will also kind of give them skills that they'll take with them for the rest of their lives, you know, and cooking food. If you if you start when you're young, it's the kind of thing you don't forget. You just keep it with you all your life. No, I, I agree certainly. Do you have a favourite family kind of meal memory that, in some ways, you, you kind of try and recreate for other people through HelloFresh? Yeah, I mean, you know, the the, the obvious one. I mean, my dad was a chef, so you know that's where I kind of inherited this this kind of love of, of food and cooking. And I think you know when I was a kid. His day off was Sundays, so he would cook for us on the Sunday, and it was his opportunity to 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 kind of, you know, show us what he was what he was capable of. And often it was a roast. Other times it was like something much more exotic. But what I remember from it is that it always tasted good. It was always a bit of an occasion, and we all stopped and we all sat around and chatted. And we didn't, you know, we didn't always spend that much time together because he was always working. So it was that nice opportunity to just kind of catch up. Right. What I was really getting at was any, any of the sort of meals from your childhood that are available via HelloFresh. Any yeah, I think, I think the obvious one, the obvious one, you know, uh, you know, is is that the old classic, the roast, the roast dinner. You can buy a roast yeah. dinner on um, on HelloFresh. It, it comes with everything you need. It's relatively stress free compared to if you tried to to kind of do it at home and conjure everything up from from all the different corners of your of your cupboards and your fridge you know and i think i think that is one that that sticks with with everyone it's it's a crowd pleaser everyone enjoys it when i when we do a roast at home you know everyone's delighted as long as there's enough roast potatoes <laughs> that's <laughs> the key in my in my experience yeah the roast potatoes have got to be good yeah absolutely so do them properly spend some time on them you know fluff them up with a bit of flour and then make sure there's enough gravy for everyone to uh to mop everything up with so yeah okay tell me a little bit more about hello fresh and the, the sort of where the ingredients come from and you know just how fresh are they are they kind of picked that morning put in a box and sent to you how does it all work i think they're definitely fresher than the stuff you buy in the supermarket so the the, the you know without getting too technical about it the supply chain from field to our box is shorter than it is through a supermarket so your food is definitely fresher we source as many ingredients as we can from from the uk um, and we try and keep it seasonal when we can so you know all those all those ambitions are built into the box and the company as a whole right um and so it sounds like the food miles are generally a bit less if you're trying <laughs> to get things locally what about when i when i go shopping Often, obviously, you shop with your eyes, but often I shop with my nose as well, which upsets a lot of um, market store holders. Um, if you open a box of HelloFresh, do you, is it an exciting thing for your nose as well as your eyes? I'm not sure it's an exciting thing for your nose because, you know, ultimately, 
um, our recipes are kind of packaged up in little little brown bags. So I'm not sure it's, it's exciting for your nose. The, the excitement for your nose comes when you start cooking. So once you start frying off those onions, start adding the garlic, you know, all those kind of aromas suddenly get the get the juices flowing. So I would say that the aroma part of it perhaps comes later. Okay. All right. Now that, that's fine. fair enough. Right. So if people are listening to this and their digestive juices are frankly starting to run a little bit and they're feeling a little bit peckish and they want to get involved, um, what's the best thing for them to do? Is it is does HelloFresh work on a one-off thing or is it a monthly? Do you it's, sign up for a number of months? How does it all work? It's a subscription service. So you go to hellofresh.co.uk, you sign up, and then you know what you can do from there on in once you're signed up is you can. You basically get a choice of over kind of 30, 37 meals a week that you can pick from, and they'll deliver them three days later. And you know, it's you kind of you manage your 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 meal choice. And I think that's that's what's that's what's great about it is that you have all this choice. And the other thing you can do is get your kids involved in that selection process, get them to choose the meals. Then when the box arrives, it's exciting. You know, it's like, oh great, Hello Fresh is here. It was the meal I chose. Oh, I'm gonna help cooking it. Right. I'm going to help cook it. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's a, it's a very different experience to ordering a takeaway. No, I, absolutely. And is, is this available just in the UK or do you send stuff overseas to expats, you know, who might got a posting overseas and they're really hankering after a bit of uh, food from home? We don't need to send it from where, you know, we're a global business. So we have we have uh, the same company exists in in many countries, you know, whether it's the States, Australia, New Zealand up in Norway, Italy, France, you know, all over Europe, uh, just about to um, launch in some, some other countries as well. So, you know, it's a rapidly expanding uh, company and we're aiming to, you know, to, to offer this, this, uh, this, this product to as many people as we can across the world. And we'll tailor, we'll tailor the recipes to that market. And are the menus and the recipes different, like in Italy yeah, as opposed to... Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Each each market, each country has their own selection of ingredients, selection of uh, of recipes. You know, and they're, they're very, very uh, they're tailored very much to to their particular audience. Okay. All right. And so, right again, if if people are listening to this and thinking, my mouth's watering, I want to go. Uh, what what's the website? I'm sure it's a fairly simple one. Yeah. Hellofresh.co.uk. Cool. Right, Andre. Thank you very much indeed for chatting. Pleasure. So before we finish today's show, these messages from UK Health Radio. UK Health Radio, the station that makes you feel good. Galar Light is the quantum energy emitted from the universe, from the sun and stars. Now, Tom Palladino, a humanitarian and scalar light researcher, has created the world's only scalar light healing system, a system that can bring long-distance healing and wellness to humans, pets, and plants via a photograph. Get your free 15-day trial now at scalarlight.com or click on the Scalar Light banner on the UK Health Radio website. Shields like masks are top of mind right now. But did you know you have inner armor working constantly to protect you from pathogens? It keeps you healthy and thriving. It's your immune system. Ion Gut triggers the body's natural ability to support gut strength all year long, so your immune system can protect you when you need it the most. How are you treating your inner armor? Visit uk.ionbiome.com to learn more.
Ion Gut. Protect what protects you. UK Health Radio. The station that makes you feel good. Thank you very much to my guests on this week's show, and they were Nicholas Danes, stuntman, and as I said, all-round cool guy. Love chatting with him. And uh, Andre Dupin, head chef of Hello Fresh. Thank you very much to my guests, and of course, thank you to you for listening. That was the Relax Back UK show with me, Mike Dill. Thank you for listening, and please do join us again next time.